before we get started on this new episode of the No Block, No Rock podcast, we want to let all our listeners know that we are now available on Apple Podcasts, we're available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, what else are we on? And Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. It's, I think it's easier to just name which ones that we're not on. We're everywhere. Anywhere you get your podcasts, we're available. Anywhere you get your podcasts, anywhere you listen, whichever platform, we would really appreciate if you were to subscribe, follow, like, give us a five-star review. That helps a whole bunch. So we would appreciate if you did that, and we appreciate our listeners. And as always, GBR. If it wasn't so cold out, I think you'd be hearing crickets right now. Because there's not a whole bunch of news going around about Nebraska football. And I think that's kind of a good thing. Don't you, don't you guys agree with that? That's a great thing. It's a great thing. Well, with, with all this lack of news, um, let's just give a little rundown of what we're going to talk about. We will talk about some comments made about uh, Nebraska football culture, or lack thereof, that were made by Brandon Hymas at the Senior Bowl. We're also going to talk a little bit about recruiting some more. Um, we're going to run down this athletic article that was written by Mitch Sherman, um, some bizarre moments that have happened with the Nebraska program, and I'll probably just list some things that were kind of notable to me personally that weren't listed on that article, and we'll also get into Nebraska ball a little bit. We're going to talk about some success that we've been seeing from them as of late. Not a whole lot, but we're going to dedicate some like precious... What's life, that? Not success. Life. Yes. They life. conquered COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can ask them right now, okay? So let's let's read some comments that were made by Brendan Hymas at this interview that he did with The Spun, I believe it was called, The Spun, and it was at the Senior Bowl. Now, just real quick, I do want to kind of start this off with the question that the spun asked that wasn't even about culture to begin with. So here was the question that was asked of Mr. Hymas. Quote, was it tough adjusting to playing at an empty Memorial Stadium this past season? Brendan Hymas responded, for me personally, no. I prepare the same way I always prepare, whether there are fans in the stands or not. If you're not mentally and physically jacked up to play a football game at Nebraska, like, if you need fans to get jacked up, you shouldn't be playing at Nebraska. I think that has to do with the culture problems we've had there. As far as changes to preparation and mindset, there weren't really any for me. I was going to give my all every single play because nothing was guaranteed this past season. I just wanted to make the most out of every opportunity. So then this led to this question by The Spun. You mentioned culture problems. Is that something still lingering? Or do you feel like Nebraska turned the corner this past season? And Mr. Hymas responded with, In my opinion, we didn't turn any corners, really. It was another frustrating season with things not clicking, and a lot of that started in the offseason. Older guys like me, Adrian, and Matt tried to get those things right, but it just never clicked for some of the guys. As frustrating as it was, we had to go out there and continue practicing on Monday and get ready for a game each week. We did the best we could with the guys we had, but it just wasn't enough. So guys, let's get into this culture talk. I know it's been hit. This this horse has been dead for a while, but we keep hitting it. We keep insisting on talking about culture. What do you guys think about these comments made by Brandon Hymas? Jared is right. Like, it's a dead horse, but we have to keep talking about it because 
it's still a problem and everybody knows it. The big thing for me about the comments are everybody, or like I guess fans assumed it was the older guys who were the problem because, you know, they weren't like Frost guys and they all that jazz, but Imus is kind of going in reverse and saying it's the younger guys. So, and I think like not knowing like where the root of the problem is, is part of the problem because I guess, how do you fix it? Because you have Frost up there every week saying, you know, the culture is where we want it and we think it's it's going in the right direction. And then there's people like oh, Imus and other, other former players speaking up and saying that isn't even close. So I don't know where we go from here. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about culture, it's like we thought we found the root of the problem, right? We thought it was kind of these older guys that we needed to weed out of the program. But then, like Eric said, you got Hymas, who, you know, he's been here for a while, but he should be, like, well ingrained to the Frost culture because, you know, he started all those games for Frost. You would think that him being a leader, um, that he would have some of those Frost qualities ingrained in him. So it's like, oh, he's going to practice each day, and it seems like these younger guys aren't the ones that are buying in. 100%. So, yeah, it's got me kind of worried, his comments. And this whole thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Scott Frost has been the head coach of Nebraska for 38 months. 38 months. Whatever business you work in, you don't get 38 months to set a culture inside of your team, inside of your organization. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or you're running your own small business here in Omaha. Like, 38 months and this lingering conversation, it's a Scott Frost problem. It's not a player problem. And we could flip these comments from, from Hymas and say, well, maybe this is an old player problem, right? And it was all talk and, and no work. Or you can just simply look at this and say, in 38 months, this won't go away. And nothing is really changing. Assistants aren't drastically changing. Player turnover is not changing, and ultimately performance on the field has been the same or worse yeah. since Scott walked in the door. Under 500, yeah, each year. Not winning games. That That's what it comes down to. We're not winning games. Uh, and player turnover is actually changing. It just isn't the turnover that you want to see every year. Oh, no, you're talking about turning the ball over. <laughs> oh. I told you, it said lunch ladies. <laughs> we got to fire the lunch ladies. Quit firing staff. You know, just fire the lunch ladies. They're putting butterfingers in the in the food. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you know, so I, I did some research on winning culture and what that looks like. And you, I found this article, and it, it's kind of dated, but I don't think culture ever really can date itself because winning culture is winning culture. And this article was from the Bleacher Report, and it was like an article from 2013. And they talked about three things that are important when it comes to a winning culture. And those three things are competition – Attitude and, of course, recruiting, right? And you have three prime examples in this article. They're talking about Nick Saban. They're talking about Urban Meyer. And they're talking about Pete Carroll. All right. Three guys. Cream of the crop. Yeah. And, and these three guys have three different styles. And the article, is, it, it's a really good read. But the, they have whole three different styles. But they come back to the same three things, which is we'll talk about competition. So this is a Lou Holtz quote. But he says, so many people are afraid of competition. When it, should be, when it should bring out the best in us. So just recruiting players with great potential doesn't make a team great. 
The players have to develop, and the team has to come together. I think, well, there's your glaring thing with Nebraska is development. We just do not develop. We're getting the guys in the door. Now, obviously, COVID and some other things have driven them away, and I think culture is part of it, where if you don't have a good culture, these guys, they don't want to buy in. They just want to – they're like, yeah, I'd rather go somewhere where it's warm. So – I mean, you, you have that. So the competition, I think some of these guys that you bring in, they feel entitled. They, they don't want to compete. They, 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 uh, they just they don't want to do that. They, they think they should be handed to them. They think they're the best player on the team. And I do think there are scenarios where some of those players know that they're better than the guy in front of them. But it's not a good culture if you do not have competition. You should have guys that want to compete every single day. Uh, the next thing was attitude. Um, and this is actually a quote from Remember the Titans, but attitude reflects leadership, Captain. That's a pretty good quote there where you you got to take on the, the leadership of your team. You have to have that, that swagger, that attitude, and our team lacks that all the way through, and I think it comes back to the captains and, and some of these veteran guys like Hymas. Like, Hymas doesn't have that attitude. He doesn't, he doesn't walk the walk, and, and Adrian obviously doesn't walk the walk. If you're relying on Adrian... Hymas and Forniak to lead your culture. Is that really going to get it done? Those three guys who have underperformed throughout their entire careers here? Yeah, and ideally at Nebraska, when you have, you know, your starting quarterback as a captain and two experienced offensive linemen as your leaders, it's like that's kind of what you want at Nebraska. Just going based off of our, our history and tradition. That's like the ideal kind of situation. And a guy like Adrian, while the numbers might not be always what you want, he's always a guy that you can count on to show up every game, to give it his all. You never, ever doubt his intent. You know that he he's not like a prima donna. So I, I don't want this to be an indictment on the offensive lineman either. But when you talk about, like, the lack of competition in practice, it's like, are, are those two guys, like Hymas was talking about, he would show up to practice every day, and it was almost like he was having to put up with the other guys. Okay, well, I know that they need to do their part, but you as a senior who's had the most starts in Nebraska football history, where do you come in? Is there some onus on you to step up and get in someone's face and grab a dude's face mask. I know things are different these days, but I think you can probably still do that to your fellow players. Are you commanding respect from your fellow players? Like, it's, it's really easy after the season, after you fail, frankly, to show up for the Rutgers game, and a true freshman takes your place, and it's argued that he outperformed you, it's nice to sit here during the Senior Bowl and kind of call dudes out for not showing up, to, showing up to practice every day. It's like, okay, well, what about you? I know you did your, you say you did your part, you showed up. What about the other dudes? Where do you come in? That's just kind of where I'm standing on this. Well, don't point the finger, point the thumb, kind of thing. You know, I think Bo said that before. Yeah, didn't he? yeah. Don't point the finger, point the thumb. Hymas, I think, is a good example. And to just to finish up on the attitude thing. The toughest selling point for attitude on the coach 
is getting the players to buy in, getting the fans to buy in, and getting those recruits to buy in. And right now, I think Scott is just struggling with that part of that aspect. The last part of this this article, uh, when when it comes to good culture, is recruiting, and obviously that's that's an obvious one. Like the most talented teams are in the college football playoff every single year because they have the most talented players. But part of that is if you have a good culture, players in 17, 18-year-old recruits, they want to come play for you. They do. They, they, don't, they don't want to go play for a, a place like Nebraska who has all these revolving door recruits and we haven't won games. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of where when I saw the article, I thought it sat kind of home on where we sit with culture right now. There's some connecting of the dots, right? We talk about coaches, we talk about recruits, and we talk about players in this revolving door. When you think about the situation with coaches in living rooms with recruits, to me there's a difference in expectation setting that something is off. And someone shows up, they think the culture, they think the situation is going to be different. It's not what they were told whether that is how hard they're going to be coached, they're not playing right away. All of those things are on the table that you've got to figure out and work through. And then the final piece is we hear all the time from Iowa State, five-star culture beating five-star players. We heard that again from Matt Campbell's team here this year. And you can have both. They're not mutually exclusive. And that starts with the head coach and his assistants it trickles down, and in the right situation, in the corporate worlds that we all work in, right, the players enforce the culture once it's set. And my overall question still remains, is culture a floating target based upon the expectations of the head coach? Because it feels like it is. Absolutely. I see what Rob is trying to say. Like, I guess it depends on what a coach's view of good culture is. Like, The culture at Iowa State is considered great, but I don't think a guy like Nick Saban, I would say that Iowa State's culture is great because Iowa State like still loses games. So it's relative to staff, I guess. And sometimes the target for what they're trying to get to in terms of, in terms of everything in the program just isn't good enough. So again, Frost just has to look himself in the mirror, as we've been saying, and try to change something. Well, and the thing is, too, is Matt Campbell is calling this five-star culture. And when you say you have a five-star culture, it came with a little bit of success. But I promise you, if that success were to disappear, if they had a losing season or two, that five-star culture thing would disappear very quickly as well. So I'm going to challenge that really quickly. Because you look at the Big Ten specifically, and you say, what places have good culture? And for me, I think I would always say Northwestern has this consistent culture. They've had a lot of coaching consistency. Two years ago, they're terrible. And Pat says, this will never happen again because of the culture that we have. And they've got long-term success doing it the way that they do, recruiting the specific players that they do. And it turns out, right, they usually win seven to nine games a year. They're a tough out, and anybody that's going to beat them. They've got a really bad year. They turn around because they know they've got the bedrock. They've got the leadership. They have the foundation. And all of a sudden, flash forward. And if you're a Northwestern fan, you're thrilled 
with the result you have now and what's going forward, and you look back on that year and say, maybe that only enhanced the good the good culture that we thought we had that didn't show up on the field. So you can play this a couple of ways, and I think what Patty Fitz has got is very consistent and a very good culture. Even in a down year, he can sit there and say, this won't happen again, and you roll out in this weird season, and it didn't. And they win their side. Yeah, um, Pat Fitzgerald has built up enough respect in that, in the conference he's built up enough respect to where he can say things like that. If he if they happen to have a four-win season, he can point to, hey, guess what? I've been in a couple Big Ten championship games. Like, maybe in the moment, it's not what we want. But hey, if you look at my past, if you look at the expectations for Northwestern football, you know, I can I can make these claims and people will buy into it. But it did happen. Right, he made the claims and backed it up. Yeah, he did. Right? Yeah, he backed it up well. He uh, he beat Nebraska again. So yeah. <laughs> he's re- he's re- like I said, he's respected in the conference, and I th- the administration at Northwestern has full. I mean, he just signed a, another extension to stay there for I don't even remember how long, but he's going to be there for was it like ten years or something <laughs> until I, I retire from my job. Yeah. I think it was ten years. Yeah, yeah it's a long yeah, time. He's going to be there for a long time. I think, I think we can probably move on to these bizarre moments that Mitch Sherman wrote about in The Athletic. So I think what I'll do is I'll just read off the kind of initial headline. I won't get into the, the details, but if, if we just have any you know, comments on them, then we'll just make them. So number 20, Jack Gangwish, a raccoon, something happened. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's number twenty. Peter yeah. got involved there, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! That that's a culture thing, right? <laughs> and this is what I mean. Let's just go to nineteen. <laughs> Ohio State exposes Nebraska in a sixty-two to three route. Now, just real quick, I think they use the term "exposes Nebraska" because this was at the point where you know we were seven and zero. We were ranked seventh. Mike was at that game. He probably spent a whole shit ton of money to go to this game, <laughs> but exposes Nebraska, you know, they were 7-0, and um, then they lose at Wisconsin in a heartbreaking overtime loss, and then they go to Ohio State, and it was like, okay, because there was all this talk about Nebraska not really being that great of a team. I think the most bizarre thing about this event was not that Ohio State beat Nebraska 62-3, to but the fact that they were even ranked in the top 10 to begin with in the season. So that's bizarre. (laughs) It wasn't that long ago. Ohio State doesn't punt in the game either, I don't think, right? I think that's true. I don't think they punted once. And, Mike, you you were in the horseshoe. Did they punt? No, they didn't punt. And I remember my girlfriend, now wife, telling me, this is the worst game I've ever been to. We didn't even score a touchdown. And, well, I said, Sarah... They don't give away touchdowns. Good teams just don't give you a touchdown for pity. Like, that team was really good. So number 18, Bill Moose pokes Big Ten bullies at the wrong time. And the, the comments that he made were, uh, Jim Harbaugh and Urban Meyer are running a little scared right now of Nebraska and Frost, and they won't admit it. <laughs> I think that laughter says enough. Number 17, Northern Illinois wins in Lincoln. 
Now, this is the game where Tanner Lee threw a couple pick sixes. Okay, and this Northern Illinois game, this was the, the game that after was when, like, Sean Eichhorst went down to, like, the locker room post-game. And, like, he was, like, fielding questions from reporters, and he had never done that before. And I think that was kind of the beginning of the Mike Riley getting fired. Well, and Sean Eichhorst getting fired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was a ripple effect. He was answering questions to, to his own fate. Like, <laughs> when you see Sean Eichhorst answering questions, that bug-eyed, lizard-looking dude, you know something's fucked up. Yep. It's number 16, Wisconsin runs wild again and again. Wisconsin, Nebraska's Nebraska. The out-Nebraska, Nebraska. There were many instances of this. Talk about the championship game, Big Ten championship game. 70-10, to 10, I think it was. Just rushing records being set over and over again. I don't think really anything but, else needs to be said, but go No, on. but I thought that's – no, Bo Pelini won nine games every every year. You know, that's – he didn't get fired because he was giving up rushing records, right? It was only because he was mean. That's it. It wasn't because he was getting embarrassed on a big stage. It's, it, that's the only reason why, because he was mean. Just – Jonathan Taylor and no, it was Melvin, Melvin Gordon, Gordon and what Monte just, Ball, just roughshod. All right, number fifteen. The Frost era opens with a thunderstorm cancellation, a QB injury, and a thud against Troy. Gosh, I could just remember before that first game, all the hype behind it. Oh my god! Just the electricity, all the pent up excitement I think all that excitement just like was collected by the clouds and just came out as thunder like electricity <laughs> yeah like literally electricity like... came from the stadium back into the sky and back into the stadium it was like a monsoon in there I was sitting in the stands and I was like we have to go get cover it was so bad and it's kind of bad because like my first thought was this is how we started <laughs> not even a game you know, I kind of got to I got to wonder like it's it could be far fetched maybe, but does the frost era go differently if it kicks off like normally like, against Akron? I so I I personally think it does. I think you've got a great point here. We talked about this last week. Nothing has ever gone right for Scott. You get a win there, you can make the argument with a week underneath their belt. They get a win against Colorado. And then you don't have what you have as the year goes on. I think it's a it's a huge question mark. It's, it's as big of a question mark, honestly, as what if Tom wouldn't have kept his word to Frank and didn't retire? <laughs> like everybody always says, like, if we wouldn't have fired Frank. Well, what if Tom wouldn't have kept his word? I think he was 54 years old. <laughs> yeah. Saban is 65, 66 right now. Seems to be doing fine. Right? Like, those are the big questions that sit here. Oh, man. Um, you didn't I'm, think that was coming, did you? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I didn't because that's not often talked about. Tom kept his word. What was, I, Fra- what was Frank going to go do? Get a job being the head coach of Kansas at the time? Like, yeah. Woo. Did not exp- hey, that's why I brought this list up because I'm getting hit. But I'm being blindsided here. And it's like, you know, I'm not exactly a, a God-fearing man, but it's like, dang, is he? Is God trying to send a message here about 
about Scott Frost coming back home. And we created oh. this idol. Right? <laughs> right? Idolatry? We created, we created the Tower of oh, Babel. God. The Tower of Babel. And he is striking it down. Oh. Um, number 14. Tommy Frazier calls for the firing of Nebraska's defensive coaches. Now, this was back in 2013 after they had lost to UCLA. And, you know, he went on Twitter saying, if this is what's going to happen for the remainder of the season, count me out. I don't care if we lose a game, but the way we are losing is just not what Nebraska fans deserve. I have fought, bled, and cried over this program. I didn't do all that for the program to become what it has today. Time for change! So how does Jay Skirt's Tommy think about it now in 2021? Because Jay Skirt Tommy was pretty passionate in 2013. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Tom, Tommy's apathetic, <laughs> like so many of us. And, yeah. and potentially, uh, he should have been like, why did we have the starting quarterback kick the, kick the locker? Right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Man. Right? Taylor kicks the locker at halftime. And honestly, he's never the same. And doesn't, he opens the door for Tommy Armstrong. Yep. With the big win in Michigan on the road. That's another thing that's kind of overlooked. He kicked the freaking locker. He's hobbled. You know, man. Turf toe. Turf toe. Turf toe, right? <laughs> locker toe. <laughs> <laughs> Number 13. Frost levels complaint against Iowa for <laughs> clapping. Here's what I do want to <laughs> I love this one. So this is our reference will be lost on all three of you, and I apologize. For those who, who don't know, I'm kind of a wrestling nerd, but there's our wrestler named Chris Jericho, and in the, in the 90s, he did a segment called The Thousand and Four Holds, and he had literally like, like a long list of holds, and he started reciting them. Frost is the man of a thousand and four excuses. He has to have one every single week. Minnesota, media timeouts. Iowa, the, cl- the clapping. The Illinois, the practices were bad. It's just always something with them. Well, it's a never-ending list of excuses, and there's more to come, guys. There's going to be more losses. Believe it or not, we will lose some more games. You guys, the only way we can run this offense is when the quarterback claps. It's the only way this shit happens. We can't make adjustments. No fans in the stands. You're you're limited to what you can do, right? Okay. I don't know. Well, it worked in Oregon, so I demand it work here. <laughs> Number 12, Eichhorst tries to kill Black Friday. Um, yeah, I guess this is kind of bizarre. It's like... This is more for fans. Exactly. I, this is a fan thing. It's it's a silly thing as an athletic director who's on thin ice anyways mm-hmm. to say willfully, yeah, take that away from the fans, right? Like... I think we're excited that we get to play Iowa on, on Black Friday with the schedule change here this year. That is for the fans. For some reason, we are attached to this. We're not playing Oklahoma anymore. Barry Switzer is not there. Uh, it's, a, it's a totally different deal. But why even step out on that limb if you're in a precarious position as a leader? Yeah, he just wanted to burn some bridges before he left. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, number 11 talks about, like, the kicker situation. It's, number 10 talks about that game at, at Illinois. Yeah, and that was a situ- situation where all they had to do was run the ball to run the clock down, but they didn't do it, and it put Illinois in that position. Number 9, the, the headline is just hoodies. 
So this, this is another one of the laundry list of excuses, kind of, that Frost used when they got straight blitzed at Minnesota. One of the things that Frost said was... The boat raced. They rode the boat on us. Oh, my God, they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, honestly, uh, he used that excuse uh, because apparently there's a lack of toughness in the program. These guys are wearing hoodies out when they're warming up. Back in my day, if you wore hoodies, you got your ass kicked. Well, and I think this is one of those believe what you want to believe, right? I think two days before the game, there's an article in the Journal Star and the World Herald. Minnesota's practicing outside. Nebraska's practicing inside. Read in between the lines. Scott's probably talking to his players after the game, in particular J.D. Spielman. If you believe it or you don't believe it, that J.D. basically had a coup d'etat saying, we're not practicing outside in this weather. We're practicing inside. Kids win, again, goes back to expectations. Who's setting them at the top? You simply ask that player, please walk out the door. It's very simple. We're going outside. We're going to play in this weather. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen. Again, believe who you want to believe on the story. But you know, there's a piece to it from a Spielman perspective okay. that Scott's not handling his business as the boss. Freaking A. Quite the boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, it talks about Planey talk, uh, after they lost to Iowa, talking about chicken shit calls that took place. It's like, bizarre. Yeah, I mean, that's that's Bo, okay? I mean, that could be 1 through 20, is Bo saying some dumb shit. Yeah. Um, number seven, Nebraska players sue the Big Ten. And it's like, kind of when you look back, maybe in like 10 years, and you talk about this, Nebraska players suing... The Big Ten. It's like, dang, that's that's kind of a serious thing that happened. Good like, for them. Honestly. Right? Good yeah. for them. Yeah. For trying to play football. And number six is along those same lines. Some in the national media ridiculed Nebraska for its desire to play football. You had this whole narrative on Twitter and uh, Nebraska, they're not in any position to talk about wanting to play football. Just shut up. Just do what the conference tells you to do. Ultimately here, Nebraska had a point of view that was correct. Right? You look at how many college football games were played versus postponed. You know, God willing, you look at how many players were sick and very, very sick with long-term side effects. As of right now, that number looks extremely low. Yeah. Uh, to hear more about this, Clay Travis had Kevin Warren on his Wins and Losses podcast. They talk about this. Clay went after Kevin Warren big time, right, during this whole ordeal. As he should have. They're able to talk about this and have a conversation. Um, really, really good one there for those interested. Okay. Um, do you guys have anything to say about, I have a comment you know, about Clay Travis, except I won't say it. <laughs> I have a comment about Kevin Warren. He's still a clown. Go on. Number five, Eichhorst fires Polini and trashes Iowa. Now, this is like his infamous comments where we had to evaluate where Iowa was. And ever since he said that, Iowa's gone on a little win streak on us. Have not won against good old Hawkeyes ever since he said those things. He actually said this at a time where people were still questioning whether this was a rivalry or not. And so after he said this, Iowa's racked up these seven consecutive victories against us it's six now it's six it's six i mean it seems like seven but six, it yeah. echoes statements made by wonder kid steve peterson 
talking about gravitating towards mediocrity, getting beat by K-State. I would love to be K-State right now. K-State beats teams. We don't. You look at Iowa. I said this last week. Nebraska has no intention of being at the level of the Prairie Chickens. The expectation is much higher. Mm -hmm. This is a blue-blood program. It's not going away. We're not performing there, right? But at the same time, the expectation is to be better than Iowa. It's to be better than Wisconsin. Um, And we're not there. Not there. I agree. What's next? Number four, the hashtag Calabrasca movement. (laughs) You know, I believed in this movement, and all I got was a stupid (laughs) T-shirt. You should go into, wait, what was that Calabrasca final ranking? <laughs> yeah, they were ranked last. Like, there was this whole recruiting ranking that was done, and they were last. Listen, <laughs> like I said, I spent, I think it was like 17 bucks on a t-shirt. That's all I got. That's all Nebraska got. <laughs> The whole state. You got more than everybody else did because nobody else bought that stupid <laughs> t-shirt. True. Uh, um, number three, Polini blasts the Nebraska administration after his 2014 firing. So this was when he was at Lincoln North Star. Yep, in the and high school gym. It's on brand. It's on brand. Yeah, it's it's both. Yeah. You know. It's on brand. You know, you could argue if, if, you, if he was rightful in his indignation there and... Uh, I don't know. Bo, 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 bo. He's just a mean guy. That's why he got fired. It's a mean it's guy. It's the only reason. Only reason. I think he threw... Did he throw around a couple C words in there, too? Oh, uh, that's his favorite word. Oof. That's, like, that's never going to help you, right? It Especially in this climate. In the court of public opinion, Ooh. that's one to stay away from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. And it wasn't culture. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't culture. Oh, C words. Don't you love them? <laughs> Number two. Oh, number two. Did, did, did you see the strain? Was I the was I the only one? Did you guys see the strain? <laughs> Speaking of coaches who can't hold a job, it's it's spectacular, right? The strain is spectacular. Bob Diaco comes with a great vocabulary, oh, yeah. uh, an impeccable wardrobe, and mm. he has fallen forward, right? Everywhere he's gone. Bob yeah. keeps getting another job. Yep. Can we put him and PJ Fleck in the same room and see who just spouts off more like random? That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. When, when Bob Yako was hired, oh my God, the Nebraska media just creamed their pants. I was, I you, was can, you can I was, admit that. I was super excited. Like, yes. I thought this was a coach that has no connection to Nebraska, a coach that's got a lot of success. Notre Dame. This is you exactly know, that's it. Maybe yeah. he was behind Manti Teo's girlfriend. <laughs> Maybe he was the girlfriend. <laughs> and he was a dude that if you put him in front of the camera, he was always going to say some just... Maybe maybe one week it's inspiring and it's like, it gets you fired up. And then the next it's like, dude, cringe. My favorite things about Diaco was this. <laughs> he always held his little microphone he held in his himself. fingers yeah, yeah. instead of just... Wearing it like everybody else and yeah. clipping it on, he held it in his fingers. The next thing about Diaco was that they deemed him the best coach on campus when he was here. Like, th- this yeah. guy, like, they... Like, Fun John Cook 
They literally said that he was the best coach on campus. Yeah. When we have a guy who's actually winning natties with the volleyball program. Like I said, the media was creaming their pants when he was when he was hired. And there were some that was justified. Some creaming was justified, but I disagree. Oh man. Well, hindsight, telling you, hindsight's 2020, brother. Number one, <laughs> on brand again, in reveal of secret audio. Bo Pelini annihilates Nebraska fans after his team beats Ohio State. This win was great, man. This Sure, it was a down Ohio State team. And but a down Ohio State team is a up Nebraska team, okay? Okay, <laughs> right but now. that win, yes, it was big. It was great. Don't get me wrong, I was pumped. I was, yeah. Actually, I wasn't pumped because I was stuck at my cousin's wedding. <laughs> And I sat there next to the TV and ignored the wedding the whole time to of watch course. the stupid thing. Oh, of course. Who has weddings? Or anyway. Yeah, stupid. Weddings on Saturdays during football season. I, we hate all of you. Anyways, so, but the thing is, is Bo, their starting quarterback, got hurt. The only reason he won that game is because Braxton Miller, freshman Braxton Miller, yeah. who was wrecking you all game, he hurt his ankle. It's the only reason. Well, what about, this is Levante David game, too. Yes, it's Levante, yeah. Bowl. I mean, Levante makes a big play. He does. Braxton Miller. Yep. Right? And you still got to go and score. Burkhead has a big game towards the end. But, yeah, I mean, again, always authentic. Bo. Mm-hmm. On brand. Filter oh. none. Uh, we have to give a shout-out to Joe Bowserman because he's the real MVP of that game. Right. <laughs> Joe Bowserman. <laughs> That's who that quarterback was. <laughs> oh, man. That's a deep cut. So, like, he said, like, Fuck you, fans. Fuck all of you. And this was because, like, they were being booed at halftime, I think. Or they were being booed in the third quarter because they were down by a lot. 17, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was was their biggest comeback in school history. I think it was, like, their third biggest comeback in school history. It's like, fuck you, fans. And the the interesting thing about that audio was, of course, it was recorded in 2011 after that game. But it actually came out two years later in 2013. I I just thought that was interesting that... In a place like Nebraska where the microscope is like the head coach is the ant and you're just getting burned by the sun, that it came out two years later. I just thought that was interesting. You could have an entire podcast on who leaked that tape. Ooh. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Listen, we don't have enough time for it now, but like yeah. ulterior motives galore mm. on, on leaking that tape. Yeah, that's amazing. It's interesting that it came out right about the same time his seat got hot. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So on the list. Politics, baby. Coincidence. On the list, there's no cat. No cat. There's no Taylor Martinez making a phone call at halftime in College Station. At A&M, yeah. There's no one second being put back on the clock. That is the biggest one. Okay, well, it it was... Now, I don't be technical. Like That was 09, the whole... One second. Okay. But that and was I think, bizarre. Well, and no, I know, but it said for the past ten years, oh, and like, no. okay, so I did make like a whole list of my own, and I don't think we're gonna go over all that. Maybe that'll just be like a bonus episode for y'all. I don't know, but there, yeah, there was so much where I was like, oh, how did you miss this? How'd you miss that? And you know, Tennessee had their own bizarre moments countdown, and when you compare Tennessee to Nebraska. I mean, our, that list, the cat, the, the cat doesn't make the list. <laughs> no. You literally brought 
a feline <laughs> to the spring game. Meow. Like, from a fake Twitter profile. Yeah. That's and, amazing. Yeah, and that, that, sh- that was like, especially when you consider the head coach that was doing it. This, this dude who was just like always angry. And he brings out a freaking cat and he holds it up right. over his head during the, the tunnel walk of the spring game. And it's like, this guy did it? This guy actually has, he's like a human being and he's like, has a sense of humor about stuff? Yeah, that's pretty freaking bizarre, <laughs> Mitch Sherman. I don't know how you left that one out. But, yeah, I think we'll move on from that. Let's talk recruiting. Yeah, I'll, I'll have you guys jump into that, recruiting, boom. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about this last week in spending. So these are the 2018-2019 numbers. The University of Nebraska, 13th, 13th highest recruiting budget in the country, $1.2 million bucks, right? And you think about the money that is being spent, and it goes back to the expectations piece. When you spend that amount of money, you assume, right, that you're going to end up with players. And from a recruiting rankings perspective over the last 10 years, Nebraska ends up being no worse than fourth in our conference, right, from a player profile perspective. And so when you think about where we land today with the players that we have, given all of the attrition, all of those things, you sit there and say, like, are you throwing all this money away as you're pursuing these best players? And it's something that I struggle with as a fan. Like, we're giving the coaching staff everything they need, and we're not seeing it in return the way that you would see from these other schools. For reference, Nebraska spends third most money in the Big Ten behind Penn State and Michigan. Ohio State, oddly enough, from this USA Today sample, was just under a million dollars. So think about what they are producing. And you look at the 2022 class, Ohio State currently has six of the top ten players in the Big Ten committed with the number one quarterback in the 2023 class. So being able to get on that level, compete at that level, you've got to be able to see greater returns and play this conversation the other way. You can say, wow, Scott's doing an amazing job winning four games a year and recruiting in the top 20 and the top 25. But there's a disconnect here between the money spent and the player return. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason we spend more money than Ohio State is because they're a, they're a brand. Like, they don't need to invest that extra money. We're Nebraska, who's had a lot of losing seasons as of late. And we do need to invest in recruiting because that's the only way we're going to get them here. Like we, we have to invest the money. We have to pay for these recruits to fly all the way from Calabrasca or Florabrasca or wherever. you got to get them to, get, to come to Lincoln, Nebraska, experience a game day, and all that stuff goes into that budget is, hey, let's get those guys here on campus and experience something like that. So counterpoint, number one in spending – you know, $1.3 million more million than Nebraska, Georgia, 2.6, Alabama, 2.3, wow. Tennessee, 2 million, Texas, 1.8, Clemson, 1.7, AM, 1.7, Florida State, 1.5. All of those schools don't have the proximity issues. That's true. That Nebraska does. Getting kids to fly in, the, the flights you assume are cheaper because they're shorter. 
right? Or kids can drive, so on and so forth. And you just, you think about that and it's like, holy cow. And again, credit to the university where it belongs from 2013 until these numbers, Nebraska's recruiting spend was up 52%. In line with that though, Georgia's is up 351%. Alabama, while they win national championships, up 138. Clemson up 190. Jimbo shows up. We talked about Jimbo, Muschamp, Kirby, and Saban together last week. Uh, Jimbo gets to A&M, and they're up 326%. That's insane. It's insane. But those right? guys are great recruiters. They're, they're great recruiters. They've got the money to do it. I said this last week, and I will go to the wall on this. Players make coaches, not coaches make players. That is true. And going off of that, of that recruiting, I've always believed that uh, players, you said that players make coaches. I believe that players don't really commit to a school. They, they, commit, to, they commit to a coach. Like, there's a reason a lot of transfers go to where the recruiter is now. Yes. Like, I mean, a perfect example of, of your analogy is Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik was made by Cam Newton. Where is Gene Chizik now? Does anybody know where Gene Chizik is? I believe he's an analyst at Fox. Oh, there yeah. you go. Or CBS Sports yeah. or something No like that. longer coaching. Yeah. He was made by Cam Newton, who he was gifted from various reasons. Yeah. You can, you can uh, talk about how he became an Auburn Tiger. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's yeah. a player made that coach, and look where he is at now because he could not get another Cam Newton. There's not a lot of Cam Newtons walking around on this planet. No. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Touching the last segment. Here. Yeah, last segment. Uh, listen, anytime you can break a 26 game conference losing streak, I think you deserve just a little bit of shout out. Wouldn't you say? I think so. Like, yeah. it's great. Good job, guys. Good job. Uh, Nebraska ball. Oh, man. The fighting Fred Hoybergs. <laughs> okay. But I think I think we've, we've talked enough tonight. I, I concur wholeheartedly with yes. you. Um, you guys, thanks a lot for tuning in to the No Block, No Rock podcast. We are on Twitter, at NBNR Podcast. You can also find us on Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, yep. and Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Um, so please, if you can, just whatever platform that you use to listen to your podcast, we'd really appreciate any subscriptions, any five-star reviews, any likes, all that good stuff. Please subscribe and all that. And thank you for listening. As always, GBR. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. Bob Morrison. And I'm Eric. And thanks for listening. We are signing off. Signing off.